This podcast was produced on stolen Yagara and Turrbal land that was never ceded. My name's Phil Ball and I am the field officer for Brisbane West and Ipswich and my territory extends into the Lockyer Valley. Um, I'm James, I'm the case manager for Mates in Construction Queensland and I look after any of the cases that come in through the helpline or through sites. Um, and then for, I'm sure most people are pretty aware of what Mates does, but if, you, um, if you're asked like at a barbecue or something, how do you kind of describe the organisation? Uh, it's an organisation that came about in response to mental health issues primarily in the construction industry or originally in the construction industry and works on the uh, premise of peer support. So we're, we're a limited resource, we can't be everywhere at once, but we train people to be aware of the, the state that their, their mates are in and to uh, pick up on problems and to, to know how to address those problems. Would you say, James? Would you well, add to that? That's exactly right. Like it's yeah. We basically we, we raise awareness on in construction and energy and mining to make sure that they can look after themselves. And basically, the whole when I first started at Mates, John Brady said to me, the whole point of us is to make ourselves defunct. So we're meant to raise awareness in the industry, get them all set up, and then we can just kind of float into the nothingness yeah. and they look after themselves. So you've got, I understand you've got some stats about um, mental health issues within those industries mm. in construction. So is it construction is the highest, construction mining energy? So construction is where we get our stats from. So um, we've got, we're getting new stats now around um, energy sector, so like the power station stuff and mining. But construction is where we started, like that's where we did the ASRAP report, so that's where mates kind of came from. Um, after the BERT noticed that there are a number of suicides in, I think, 1999. Is it 1999? God, I could be lying right now. Um, yep. But basically from there, what we're written Through to about. 2007, yeah. they were looking at. So basically what they found was that from that area, well, I think at the time there were, I think, 399 death claims and 88 of them were for suicide. So they were trying to figure out if this is a normal number for society or is this, is this abnormal number. And what they found was that number was higher than what it should be. Um, and from those stats, it was found that I think that present, um, when we first started doing mates, it was you were 40 times more likely to divide by suicide being a construction worker than you were being a general like general male population and i think it was 50 times more likely if you were a, like a female if that makes sense now those stats have gone to reason because originally when it first happened females weren't in those stats if that makes sense um but sadly now we are getting females that are dying by suicide within the construction industry mm -hmm. and then yeah and then those stats kind of just fall back down from basically being quite not high, I think it's every every second day of construction, energy or mining worker dies by suicide. So it is quite severe, quite connected. Um, and what Mates is trying to do is kind of not, obviously we know we're not going to stop all suicides, but what we can do is raise awareness so that those people that do get in the crisis can be stopped before they get to that suicidal thought mm -hmm. or suicidal part. Yeah. Um, and I think to the general population, construction and particularly construction, mining, anything in the electrical sphere is understood to be a fairly dangerous um, place to work in terms of you know WHNS issues um, but perhaps the society is not actually aware that one of the biggest risks in that industry is suicide would you is that a fairly fair <laughs> yeah, yeah I, th I think that the the problem's been that we've uh, divorced mental health from health and safety in general for too long I, I remember when there was um, a, a re really um, 
massive change that came about, which would have been in the early 90s under the Hawke-Keating administration when they were trying to address lots of different problems in industry, be they um, the high rate of um, people coming into financial hardship as a result of economic downturns and all that. Construction workers were on the front line of that. They were the first people to, to feel the effects of, for example, the, the recession of the early 90s and the one in the early 80s. So that, that it came to a time where they realised we have to do something about all this stuff. So that's where we got compulsory superannuation and we got... Um, uh, redundancy trusts and things like that. And we also got in that era the, the big changes to workplace health and safety. So you had all the workplace health and safety legislation that came through. But we sort of put the cart before the horse in one respect because we didn't recognise at the time the impact of mental health on that. And and to, to, um, to, to put it in, in a way that we do often when we're training, we would suggest that people uh, are more likely to have an accident, for example, at work or on the road or wherever, when they're not in a good frame of mind, when they're, when they're worried about stuff, when things are going on in their life and at work and they may even be overwhelmed. They're, they're not in a safe spot. So we didn't recognise that enough at the time. We didn't say, well, what's you know, where are people at when they have these workplace accidents or these road accidents or, or whatever? Uh, and now we're realising that mental health is is the is the the area that we need to concentrate on, because that's costing lives too, and it always has done. We 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 used to say, oh, with workplace health and safety, oh, you just engineer away the problems, or use PPE or administrative. Um, a, a, an administrative approach or whatever to to remove these to, to reduce the risk or remove the hazard, but we weren't addressing the the mental state of people in the workplace, uh, and now we're realising that that's really important not only for workplace health and safety but also for individuals' um, welfare and health and safety, whether they're at work or they're at home, because if they're being overwhelmed by stuff that's going on in their life, be it at work, home, wherever, uh, that they can get to a very vulnerable place. So that turns into um, like mental health uh, impacting a worker's physical safety and perhaps colleagues and the public, yeah. yeah. Definitely. And that's like when we do the training, we always talk about like everyone wears PPE, which is great, but that doesn't actually stop. If you're if you're not thinking, you can be wearing all the PPE in the world, but you're still you still might get in the way of a truck, something like that. So it's just that hard thing. We always say that mental health is a workplace health and safety issue. Mm -hmm. So I think the stats when we first did our start, like um, the study stuff, I think it was yeah, it could, out of hundred thousand, the suicide deaths were for, like forty out of hundred thousand. The deaths by accidents, so on site workplace accidents, was six, six out of hundred thousand. So it's another, there's basically four or five times the amount of suicides compared to workplace accidents. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's showing that the mental health and suicide is a massive issue and the fact that, yeah, we're doing everything we can to throw IVs on, make sure we got high safety or all that kind of stuff, but we're not actually doing anything, we weren't doing anything around actually lowering the chance of risk. And why do you think it took so long for that, for mental health and suicide to be addressed in the industries? I'd say... I'd say well with suicide well with both mental health and, and 
suicide, um, the stigma got in the way. We, we used to sweep... I remember a time when we used to sweep suicide under the carpet, so to speak, um, by denying that it was suicide or finding euphemisms to, to address it or you know, just not calling it what it was, just not recognising that people were vulnerable to it, no matter what their, where they came from, um, who they were, what gender or whatever. And, and for a long time, people who, for example, survived suicide attempts were said to be just looking for attention. So just removing the stigma from that has been a big step forward. It's not, the work's not done, um, but I'm heartened to, when I speak to people, uh, you know, younger people than myself, that they're open to talking about it now, whereas people who are my age or older, they, they weren't. They, they just didn't want to even admit it sometimes. They didn't, you know, we, we know uh, for a fact that um, people with religious views would often see suicide as a sin. So that was just part of a broader problem where suicide was, or mental health problems were seen to be a failure on the person's part or some kind of a transgression, you know, against a social norm or a, uh, a religious uh, idea or something. And now we, we realise that, particularly with some of the high profile cases in recent years, we realise that just about anybody can be vulnerable to it. And, and we just want to bring it out in the open. And that's the other thing that Mates has been about, isn't it, James, of making it part of a conversation. Because as, as John Brady's been fond of saying over the years, that, and, and Amanda Edwards, it's about we, we want to change the culture. And to change the culture, we need to change the language. No, that's, that's exactly right. Like this thing, suicide, something that we've always been avoidant of. It's even, and when I was in high school, it just you didn't talk about it. It wasn't raised. In the, in the last five years, I mean, of mates, like it's you can see within society itself, but within construction, energy, and mining, like it's it's now grabbed up. Like so, people want to deal with, people want to talk about it, people are happy to talk about it. Or when I first, like when I first started with mates, it was still a bit of a uh, kind of worried about what you say say the wrong thing now we're getting like every week we're doing connector training around training up people to ask a question around suicide and every week we're getting younger and younger people or people that are just more engaged and wanting to help wanting to f help people out wanting to put them themselves not in harm's way but themselves to, in that space to make sure that their mates are okay their workmates are okay because that's the only way we're going to change well, suicide and mental health because if we just ignore it forget about it push it away you don't get any better but if we actually bring it to the open lower that stigma lower that lower that worry that's talking about it's bad it'll make more people feel comfortable bringing it up because if i if i've got someone talking to me talking about saying look mate are you thinking about suicide i'm more likely to go yeah mate i am but if someone doesn't ask me that question say oh you okay mate it's like yeah mate i'm fine like you can just brush it off but if someone's like clear direct and honest with you you're going to be able to kind of get that conversation started um and particularly uh talking about like that that step between like you just said like when you started and now and how um those conversations do happen uh i guess 
with less friction. Um, probably still not easy, obviously, but I would hazard a guess that um, a lot of the reason that Mates was has been so successful in doing that is because the um, the field officers and people who are going out and having those conversations have you know come from the industry or have come um, from a place that's adjacent to the industry. So I find that a lot of mental health uh, organisations and you know even marketing campaigns are very corporatized. Something like Are You Okay Day, um, very white collar, and I would assume that having conversations with someone who actually understands what your days look like and what your work looks like makes a big difference um how like what um i guess kind of plans and strategies has mates used like surrounding that kind of thing in the way that um training is run and conversations are had so like you said like all our field officers basically come from industry um so me and trent were the case managers of queensland you got matt and the nt um, we've all come from industry at some point. Um, we might have had a bit of a break, um, done some study, come back again. But all of us have a knowledge of industry, connection to industry or something like that. So we, we have that connection, we have that conversation. One of the biggest things we find on the helpline when people do call up in crisis is that people are more happy, it sounds silly, that they're more happy to talk with us because they're like, look, talking to you, I've seen you on site, I've seen you around the place, and it makes it an easy conversation. Like, I look after Queens Wharf, so I'm there every once in a while doing training and stuff like that. So from that point, people have seen me. They see Trent on site, they see all the field officers on site. So it's like, instead of it being like calling Lifeline or Men's Line, where you don't actually, you, the person you're talking to could be other side of Australia, could be somewhere else. You've never seen their, like it's face to a name, while with mates, it's actually about making sure that hard, part of it is raising awareness, getting people on site to know what's going on. The other part is having that, that relationship. So it's those relationships to go, hi, I'm Phil, I'll look after this area. And that way those people in that area go, I'm in crisis, all right, or my mate might be in crisis, I'll call Phil, because Phil, Phil's a good bloke, Phil's gonna be able to help me with this. So it actually makes that kind of connection easier instead of it, because what we wanna do is make it so if someone is in crisis, there's a door. While when you're in crisis, you call men's line, if you have a chat with them, sometimes if you're a bit too, not aggressive, but if you're a bit too like sweary, they'll hang up on you. Or if mates, we don't like, if someone's in crisis, they're in crisis, we don't really care what they say, as long as they're like looking after themselves and we can make sure they're safe. So that's something we've always kind of done. And then from the site point of view, it is just about making sure that people know who we are, making sure that we're, sounds bad, liked. Um, but that's one of the biggest things is making sure industry and well, industry, unions, supers, all that kind of come together and go, mates is a good thing. Because when that doesn't happen, then yeah, we can kind of lose spaces. But if we can make sure everyone goes, you know what, mates is a good idea. Like they're not, they're coming onto site and they're raising awareness around suicide and mental health. That's, that's so important because like, like Phil said, like you've said, these stats kind of sit at that level of around, around 3,000 people a year we know are dying by suicide. That's been the same for probably the last couple of years. It kind of ebbs and flows a couple of hundred. But those stats are so super important to not let go up. So, cause that's the thing, it's people kind of look at it and go, well, we need to get it down. It's like getting it down is good, but suicide sadly is something that's in society. We can't stop it always. But what we can do is make sure those stats don't go up and we can make sure that people, if they are in crisis, they can reach out to help before they get to that point. And that's probably the most key thing. Yeah, we, with, um, with those organisations like Lifeline and, and so forth, they're fantastic. They've got a lot of willing and well-trained people ready to help. But we, we've always seen ourselves as sort of an intermediary, if you like. Like we, we talk about building a bridge from the people who need the services to the services. So we don't replace those services. But being that we are in that position, it does help uh, us to come from similar backgrounds so that we do identify with them, as you said, 
Kristen, it's it's important to be able, it's an important part of being able to communicate with people on the ground that they feel that we understand their situation to some extent, if not through experience, then at least because we come from similar backgrounds. Well, I guess yeah, the other thing about Lifeline is it's a really good service, but only if you actually call it. So mm, yeah. if yeah. people aren't calling it, then they're not going to be and that's that's how like because we have all the people like that's the other part of the awareness like we raise awareness by giving people general awareness people are aware of the mates but we raise connectors and assist so i think we've got six thousand connectors in queensland i could be lying through my teeth um but basically on each site there's people with green stickers that are connectors they're trained to ask the question around suicide and keep those people safe so when they can't get in contact with us when if they don't want to talk to mates because sometimes yeah you don't want to call someone you don't want to have a random person like me or phil rock up because they don't know you but a connector could be a hsr could be your best mate but they know how to ask that question and keep you safe. So it's what we're doing is we're making each site, each company safer by doing that so that they can look after themselves. So instead of it is where, all right, we need to call Lifeline. It's like, well, actually, let's have a chat first. Let's figure out what's going on and let's figure out what the best kind of keep safe, what, what the best kind of process for you is. And um, one of the mates trainings that I've done, I think there was a really, I, I thought really stood out is that um, if someone is going through a hard time and they talk to um, a connector on site and then the connector might say, oh, how about we um, call mates together? Like, the, the, and that's just, you know, um, takes a bit of the, I guess, fear out of yeah. something that could be quite um, confronting, I mm. suppose. So all about... Um, obviously called mates so mate, makes perfect sense <laughs> great name um, so just I guess expanding and going into that a bit more you talked about um, how the goal for mates it would be essentially to make it not need to exist because you'd have people all over um, on site so when you're doing training is it more focused on um, uh, getting people prepared to have those conversations with the people struggling is that how your training is mostly targeted the, the, I, I, when I'm training uh, out in the field, when I'm delivering a, a general awareness training session or I'm conducting connector training, I always come back to the point that connectors are where we started. They actually form the backbone of mates and they're essentially more important than James and I because they're the people on the ground and they actually have uh, essentially first aid skills to deal with the problems and, and we all know that first aid was recognized as a way of saving lives from a long time back because if somebody's on the spot when a person needs help they can render that assistance before uh, paramedics or doctors or any any you know people like that arrive and they can actually get the person to a point of surviving what could be a, a fatal situation. And the same applies with connectors. They are basically first aid people. And, and it's so important to have them on site um, that if, if, we, if, if there were a lot more connectors, I dare say we probably wouldn't need to exist now. But, <laughs> but you know, we, we always need to train more people to, to fulfill that role. And when, when we put it to people in those terms, they understand they grasp the need for it. They can see that, all right, um, mental health is just as important as any other health. And if somebody's uh, had basically a mental health episode, a, a, an accident, if you like, or, or they're mentally ill, or they're considering suicide, which is not necessarily 
uh, doesn't necessarily mean they're, they're mentally ill, I must point out. Uh, they need help right now, so they can't wait. Just like a person who's perhaps severed an artery, um, they, need, they need first aid right now. They can't wait for the professionals. They're gonna need the, the professionals, but they can't wait for them to arrive. So we, we, um, we really place a big emphasis on that and we value our connectors. And that's who the helpline was originally set up for, to support connectors. And it's, it's expanded since then um, to, to be available for everybody. But without connectors, the whole program sort of falls over. Hmm. Yep, um, and, and this is something that Andrew and I spoke about when we were preparing for this episode is, um, and like I mentioned, are you okay day, um, or obviously you do fight the flag day, is obviously it is important to ask people who are close to you and who you work with if, you know, how they are going. Um, but I think people then get stuck on what to do if they say that, if someone says that they're not okay. So I think especially Aussie culture, oh, how's it going? Yeah, good, how's you, how are you? Yeah, good the end, goodbye. Um, so what does, I guess, um, probably going into parts of your training, what what happens when someone expresses that they're not doing all right? So from that point, like, so we get to keep safe. So in connectors, basically when we ask the question, so we ask the question around, are you thinking about suicide? So we always try and use that language to like, like we said before, lower stigma and just make it aware that we're asking that question. Um, if that person says yes, even if they say no, we still go, all right, what's a keep safe? What's something we can do? And we call it a keep safe. So it's someone immediately that that can keep that person safer. So sometimes it's mates, sometimes it's their doctor, sometimes it's the hospital. From that point, we then create a bit of a plan with them. So that, that connector might go, all right, I'm gonna stay in contact with you or let's get this person. If you come through to mates, you come through to a case manager and what we then do is create a plan. So we're the ones that will then create that plan if you go, all right, let's organize a bit of a, a step-by-step -step process to get you out of this crisis point, to get you out of those thoughts and to get you moving forward. And then from there, it's kind of making sure that person can kind of move forward. Cause that's, like you said, one of the, not scary parts, but one of the parts of it is it's like, all right, I've asked a question. They say, yes, they're in crisis. Like, what do I do? And that's why with mates, we've made sure we have that back system. So if that makes sense. So the front system is the awareness raising. The back system is the helpline and the case managers. Cause it's like, all right, you've asked a question. They've said they're in crisis. They don't know what to do. It's like, all right, this is not too big for me, but I'm a connector. I know how to keep them safe, but everything they're telling me is making me concerned. What do I do now? It's like, sweet, let's call mates or let's call an EAP or something like that. And then that EAP or mates will then go, sweet, let's create a plan. Let's make, let's do what we need to do to keep you safer. Have that conversation with them to find out like what's going on from a bit deeper. And then from there, we kind of, that's how we kind of keep that person going. Cause then we stay in contact and make sure, all right, moving forward with case management, they could be with us for one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, and even longer if sometimes. But in that time, it's, we check in with them weekly just to go, What's going on? How's things going? Have you followed this process? Because one of the biggest things about, or one of the biggest things about mental health is that you might connect into something, but if there's a barrier, you stop. And if we don't know that, you, like a lot of services won't stay engaged. So it's like lifeline, lifeline, go, so go see a doctor. But then if that person doesn't see their doctor, they're just gonna fall back down again. So what we do is we follow up to go, did you see the doctor? No, I, I couldn't go because of certain reasons. All right, let's get you there. So we, we make, we kind of keep them keep them to that kind of plan to make sure that they can move forward and recover. So um, even if someone is on site and they have a conversation, say they're not a connector or they are a connector either way, um, with uh, like a, a workmate or whoever it is, and 
they the workmate is saying things that are concerning, mm. then that person who's I guess receiving the conversation can then call mates yeah. and see, yeah. you know, what should I kind of do next? Yeah, like we're a tw- like the helpline's twenty four seven. Um, so during the day, it's looked after by mate staff. Um, overnight, it's looked after by like after hours counselling service. So if you call after hours, they'll make sure you're safe. Get you. Put, do anything that needs to be done immediately and then leave a note so then the next morning we'll call that person back. If you call during the day, we'll have a chat for you basically right then and there or for another call might be in an hour or so, but you'll always be supported straight away by like, like a council, the after-hours counselling service. And then from there, it's just, yeah, we'll have a chat. So it could be if it's a connector on someone side about worried about their mate, we'll have a chat for them and explain, all right, well, what do you need to do? All right, the person said this, this and this, what should I do? And then it's about going, all right, go back to your mate, ask them if they're happy for a call from mates. If they're happy for a call from mates, sweet, we can give them a call. If they're not really ready to get help yet, then we have a bit of a discussion about what some options are to offer them for help. Because sometimes people are they're happy to talk to their mate, but they're still a bit hesitant to take the next step. But what we do is we support, yeah, the workers, we support the connectors that are supporting their mates to make sure they're not feeling isolated or alone. Because that is one of the hard things. Because yeah, it can feel like sometimes you're helping your mate, like you, you ask your mate a question, they tell you everything's the worst. And it's like, what do I do now? And it's like, all right, call mates. Mates, like, they'll be able to give me a bit of a debrief. They'll be able to give me a bit of a rundown. And that way it takes that emphasis, not emphasis, but it takes that kind of feeling of I'm all by myself. Because when you're helping someone, if you feel a bit, like, kind of by yourself, you're like, oh, God, this is too big for me. But it's not too big for you because you've got the people around you to make sure you're okay. And that's why, like we were saying before, we've got all these connectors out there. We've got all these cis-trained people out there. We've got all these general awareness-trained people out there. So what it's doing is making that community because it's about going, all right, let's do this together. Let's... Like, it's not about, all right, you've got to do this by yourself. Now you call mates, like, go away, I'll talk to you tomorrow. It's actually, let's call mates together. Let's have a chat with them and make sure that we're doing this together. Because when you do something with someone else, it takes that emphasis off us and it makes it a lot, feel a lot more calm. And the, and the person uh, in need or the person going through a crisis or having suicidal thoughts or whatever the case may be, they always, in the mates model, they remain central. So it's like a set of spheres that work outwards from them to the services that are that already exist the pre-existing uh, organizations like lifeline and men's helpline and uh, alcoholics anonymous or whoever they may be but that person is always at the center of it and so they're always a part of the process uh, we we say to we, we emphasize with connectors when you're making a connection to somebody who can keep this person safe uh, or, or render whatever services they need, always include them in the process. So if, getting back to the basics, if somebody, if, if I think, if I'm a connector on a site and I think somebody needs uh, a connection to help, I won't go off and just ring mates and say, my mate needs you to talk to them. I'll make sure that I have their permission and, and I'll say, look, I think that, you know, you need some help with this, these problems. These are huge. They'd be big, too big for anybody to handle on their own. Uh, why don't we connect with mates or whoever else, you know, may be able to offer professional uh, assistance? And we, we keep, even if I'm ringing on their behalf, they know I'm ringing and I have their permission to ring because other, otherwise it's sort of, um, it, it's, it's not legitimate. Mm-hmm. So we never do anything without them 
being a part of it. Yep. Especially if they've um, struggled to get to the point where they can even ask for help. You don't want to, um, yes, exactly, make it harder. Um, and so obviously we're recording it about a month or exactly a month out from Christmas or from the holiday time. Sorry, just surprise you. Um, <laughs> And this can be a really hard time for a lot of people, um, particularly, I guess, think at the moment with cost of living just going, being out of control, it's going to really affect what um, the holiday season looks for, like for people. Uh, do you find that this is, I guess, like in quotes, a worse time of year for mental health generally? Um, yeah, like, um, like on the case management helpline, yes, we definitely get busier. Um, a lot of people start to get into a bit of crisis. Um, this is a weird thing about Christmas. People kind of put a lot of emphasis on Christmas, um, which I've never really understood. But um, Christmas is this emphasis time where it doesn't change anything. You go from Christmas to the new year. That's just like, it's, it's a day. It's, a, it's only a day. It doesn't actually, but there's all this emphasis. So a lot of the time during this time, we're, we do a lot of support with people just to kind of help calm, help make sense of it. If there's the relationship stuff going on, or if there's child custody stuff going on, just trying to help them understand that, yes, this is like, it's not great. This horrible situation that you might not see your kids for Christmas, but Christmas, like Christmas isn't the be all and end all, like just having that time with them. Um, the other stuff is, yeah, we are getting a lot more people that just are in general crisis, I think, just because like you said, the world's kind of getting more expensive and everything's getting a bit harder. So I think people are, that crisis point's kind of getting higher and then you're getting a lot of burnout as well. So where people kind of go week by week, all right, sweet, I'm sweet, I'm sweet. From probably August, people just focus on December as that break and they don't take breaks before then. They don't, they just push themselves and push and push and push and they burn out around now. So they burn out before Christmas and it's just like, the conversation we have a lot of time is just kind of helping them understand that well mate like you've been going full pelt for four months like what do you expect to happen like it's human nature is we can't keep pushing we'll, we'll eventually crash and it's just trying to help people understand that and that's so we definitely get like busy around now over the christmas break where like we each of us myself trent um another case manager we work over christmas so we're there the whole time so when people are in crisis or if they've got stuff going on they can always call us and it's just about kind of being there because that time for a lot of people can be quite isolating can be quite lonely um and it's just about being all right well if you are isolated if you're alone what are some things you can do um and that's where we normally come out from there and go all right we we do a bit of a christmas thing on our own facebook or whatever social media that's the word um and it's about going all right what can you do over christmas because there's like if you are alone and you're isolated there are volunteer groups that do christmas lunches like all together or it's about going all right is there people you should connect in with have you not connected in with your family or friends like are you actually sounds bad but are you isolating yourself when you don't need to be isolating yourself and then it's just also understanding all right well what are some things like it's that self-care idea so it's all right well what do we need to do now to kind of get yourself through this because christmas is like i said it's only a week or it's a day really but it's that week or two of leave that can put a lot of people have a lot of emphasis on but then once you come back to work it's just life is life's back to normal there's nothing nothing's changed from december 16th to january 3rd or whatever it is so it is that fascinating kind of mind space headspace which i've always been very frustrated by but it's about kind of going all right well this is now let's let's deal with this moment and then because tomorrow is going to be different like just because today is we're in crisis doesn't mean we'll be in crisis tomorrow just because we're having all this stuff happen now 
doesn't mean next Christmas all the stuff is going to be happening. So it's like, because sometimes we can get to that kind of catastrophizing view or that very negative view where we're like, oh, well, there's no point because like I'm not going to see my kids this Christmas. So I may not as well, I may as not well be here, but it's like, well, this is only one Christmas. Like your kids are going to be alive for a very long time. You're going to be alive for a very long time. Let's, let's break this down. Let's figure out how we can keep you safe this Christmas and then move forward from there. Um, for, I understand that people want to celebrate different events and festivals and things like that. It's been going on forever, hasn't it? But uh, the problem for me with Christmas is it's, been, it's become so, and I know this has almost become a cliche, it's become so commercialised. And I think that we need to, uh, you know, Mates is, is a real community program. It's not just an industrial uh, emphasis that we have. And, and we would wholeheartedly encourage people to engage with one another on a social basis. And so, and so this time of year, if we think about it, we could turn it around. Once again, it requires cultural change. It requires a change in, in, in uh, communication, in conversation, and just, just de-emphasising that, that commercialisation of it and encouraging one another to let's, let's go back to basics and let's make this a time of checking in on one another, socialising, spending time together as community and uh, as, as mates from work or families or whoever, and, and um, just talking about it, being open and, and ad admitting that, hey, we've, the, the expectations of, uh, that have been placed on us are far too high. And that's not only about you know, this, this gift giving and the holidays and all that sort of stuff that we're supposed to be doing at this time of year, but it's also in the workplace where a lot of um, uh, pressure has been placed on people to achieve certain targets by the end of the year. But as James said, there's no difference between now and January. In, it's just two different months. It's all about dates and it's, it, unfortunately it's been used over the years uh, in, in a commercial way um, to apply pressure to people to achieve more and I think we need to just calm down basically and, and, and this is a good time of year for conversation. It should be a time of year when we're starting to wind down, not ramp up to this deadline and it's a great opportunity to talk about stuff, what's been going on in the year, um, you know, asking your mate how they're going and how things going at home and um, you know, maybe talk about plans for the new year, but more importantly, talk about what's going on now. Um, and then I guess kind of in closing, and you've already kind of um, uh, talked about it a bit, but what can, if um, someone listening has a friend or a workmate who they know um, might be alone on Christmas, what kind of, what can they kind of do to reach out or to give them a to let them know they're there it's yeah like it, it is it's reaching out it's just saying like because for a lot of people yeah that you might have a family they might not have their family with them they might be overseas or they might be just by themselves as a single but it's just saying get them to come on christmas day get them to have a barbecue with them like include them because people that probably are by themselves at christmas or don't have family have they feel they don't want to intrude so they're not going to ask the question they're not going to say anything so it's about you as the mates it's about you as the friends actually kind of sticking your neck out a little bit and saying hey mate like I have a Christmas day with my kids. Like, how about you come around? Like, we'll have like you're more than welcome to come there. The kids know you. Like, it's it's about actually including your friends and family into that because the hard part is is sometimes we get so focused on our own little kind of 
network per se and we forget to actually go wait up there's so many people out there and it's and it could be even if you know if you're going to be spending christmas by yourself and you know someone else is spending christmas by yourself reach out to them say hey mate let's catch up let's have a barbecue but there are places open there are restaurants open there's parks open you can have a barbecue you can do that like like i was saying before like churches and charity groups do christmas day lunches that anyone else anyone's invited along to so it's that is that community feeling because for a lot of people in the community they are isolated they are lonely so it's about that day, like Phil said, get away from the commercialization. It's just about, like, it's being there for each other and it's making sure on that day you're not isolated or if you are isolated, having some suggestions. And if, if, you, if there are people out there that don't feel comfortable talking to their friends about it or asking their friends about it, that's where our helpline comes in again, like the 1300 number, because that is where you can give us a call. Like I said, we work the whole way through Christmas, so it's just about giving us a call, having a chat with us. We might be able to give you some suggestions or it's just we can check in with you, make sure you're going okay just at that time of year because... Like Phil said, that time of year can put a bit of an unrealistic um, unrealistic expectation on you and it's about lowering that expectation and going, you know what, this is just a day. It's like any other day, it's just a day. But what do we do every other day? We check in with our mates. So it's about actually going, you know what, yeah, my family are important, yeah, my friends are important, but what about my workmate that I know has just had a relationship breakdown or has family living outside of Australia or has that he can't go home to or she can't go home to? Let's get them involved, let's get them back across here. Yeah, and a lot of the a lot of the advertising that comes at this time of year uh, would try to convince us that it's all about the family, you know, but but it's not. It's not. I, I would suggest that we should be uh, not so insular in our approach to these sorts of festivals. If we want to celebrate them, let's let's look let's um, broaden our horizons a bit, you know. Let's let's be more community focused. Um, open the doors, as James has said, to to friends and workmates and and people who, you know, they would miss out because they, maybe they don't have a family. Um, so, you know, for those of us who do, yeah, it's it's really nice. But th there are also lots of opportunities to to um, expand your, your your world and let other people come in and, and and make it make it more of a social event, make it more of a community event. I think that's one of the keys to the success of mates is that we don't we don't just look at things from a very narrow and traditional point of view. We 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 look at suicide, which is which is you know to be fair is is, is our emphasis. It's about it's about reducing suicide, and we look at that from a community perspective. We always say that this is a community problem. It's not a male problem. It's not a female problem. It's not a family problem. It's something that we need to deal with as a community. And, and if we're going to be true to this, uh, we need to do that right through the year, and especially at this time of year, we need to, you know, we need to adopt that, that sort of community focus. And that's how we're going to change things for the better. That's how we're going to make this a less fraught time for people. We're going to make this a happier time for everybody. It's not about presents and gift giving and um, you know, lying on the beach or whatever. It's about interaction. Perfect. And um, just, I guess, to wrap up, I know you've mentioned the hotline a lot of times, um, but what, uh, what is that phone number? Uh, so it's 1300 642 one. Um, and that's, yeah, like I said, it's 24-7. You'll always be able to speak to someone, um, and yeah, you'll always be able to speak to one of us to make sure you're okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you very much. This podcast is produced by the Electoral Trades Union, Queensland and Northern Territory Branch. 